This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. It's Friday, September 23rd, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, why is NASA slamming a spacecraft into an asteroid on Monday? And what will we be able to see of the collision? Plus, a new low-cost, no-lab-required COVID-19 antibody test that could set the stage for more personalized vaccination plans. And a new drill-wrap duo made up of old white British men. Here's some cool stuff for your ride home. Well, this is your reminder that on Monday evening, NASA will be live streaming their first ever time knocking a spacecraft into an asteroid on purpose. Now, just to be clear, while NASA TV will be live with commentary and probably talking heads and all that, the visuals we'll have of the asteroid smash will be a series of photos. More on that in a minute. But first, why is NASA doing this? I went into a bit of detail last September ahead of the launch of the Double Asteroid Redirection Test, or DART, but since that was a full year ago and some details have changed in the 10 months that the craft has been floating through space, I figured it was time for an update ahead of the big day. So even though the space agency is intentionally hitting the asteroid, the objective isn't to blow it to smithereens. That's the old method for averting asteroid impacts with Earth, blow them up into pieces small enough to be burnt up by the Earth's atmosphere. But for years, scientists have been trying to find a better, more reliable, and feasible method for averting asteroids that are on track to hit our planet. And the best method? Kinetic impact deflection. Kinetic impact deflection basically means nudging an asteroid just enough to change its orbit, thereby knocking it off the path bound for Earth. After years of testing the hypothesis with various simulations Earthside, NASA was finally able to send a spacecraft up to truly test out the method last November in what is being referred to as the first ever real world planetary defense mission. But how did they pick the lucky asteroid who's about to have its day totally ruined by darts? The most important thing to know is that it's not an asteroid that currently presents any threat to Earth. Dimorphos, the 160-meter-wide moonlet of proper asteroid Didymos, was picked purely as a test. Quoting Space.com, because the duo are relatively easy to observe from Earth, telescopes on our planet can view any changes in brightness that occur as the moonlit orbits the parent asteroid. Such variations reveal the length of time it takes for Dimorphos to orbit Didymos. Any change to the current situation will indicate that DART managed to alter Dimorphos' orbits at least a little bit. End quote. The Didymos system is relatively close, just 6.8 million miles away. Now, that sounds far, and a 10-month journey to get there, as DART has been on, also sounds quite long, but it's still close enough for a decent range of telescopes to observe the effect on the asteroid. 
And speaking of observations, the only instrument on DART is called DRACO, which stands for Didymos Reconnaissance and Asteroid Camera for Optical Navigation. DRACO is one of two ways that we'll have visuals of the asteroid system and the impact. Quoting a different article from Space.com, the images will flow back to Earth at a rate of one per second, and we'll see them in real time via NASA television. Officials anticipate the real show will happen about two minutes before impact, when the asteroid begins filling the view of the camera. They'll be streaming images the whole time. The images will move from Draco through the avionics of the spacecraft and then beam back to Earth via radio. NASA's Deep Space Network of satellite dishes will pick up the signal to send it to broadcasts live on Earth. End quote. And one cool thing about Draco is the optical navigation part of its name. Since it's millions of miles away, engineers aren't steering it. A DART algorithm called SmartNav is independently guiding the spacecraft to the asteroid and making its own corrections to the trajectory. As cool and advanced as that all is, and as much as it could change things for autonomous control and navigation for future spacecraft, Draco has one big weakness. It's going to be destroyed with the rest of the spacecraft on impact. Luckily, another spacecraft will be relatively nearby to give us additional images and information. The Italian space agency's Licia Cube, which separated from DART earlier this month, will stay about 34 miles away and use its two cameras to capture images and record data about the impact, its effect on Dimorphos, and resulting plumage from the impact site. Even though DART is tiny compared to Dimorphos, the team has described it like a golf cart hitting the Great Pyramid, a crater is expected to form and some amount of ejecta is expected. Quoting New Scientist, The researchers will deem the mission a success if DART's impact, which will be at around 6.6 kilometers per second, changes the length of Dimorphos's orbit by at least 73 seconds, give or take 10%. But they think the real diversion could be closer to around 10 minutes. End quote. Even though we'll get images from DART on the day of impact, Leisha Cube images may take longer, and it will certainly take a few weeks at least before we know if the mission succeeded and other details about its outcome. There are already plans for a European Space Agency spacecraft called Hera to return to the site in 2024 and further assess the impact's aftermath. So the big show is on Monday, but this is a much, much longer experiment that will continue to be underway. And for the record, NASA has said there are currently no known asteroids large enough to do significant damage on Earth that are on track to collide with us anytime in the foreseeable future. This whole mission is very much an anticipatory one, a better safe than sorry situation. You know, an asteroid colliding with Earth and causing significant damage is always a possibility and one we absolutely want to be prepared for, but there's no need to worry about it right now. Now, in addition to the DART impact Monday evening around 7 p.m. Eastern, we might get another Artemis 1 launch attempt the next morning. Demonstration tests conducted on Wednesday of this week went well, but now eyes are on at least one tropical depression in the area which could call off a Tuesday launch attempt. 
Shortly before recording today, NASA held a teleconference to update the media. During that conference, they said the launch vehicle was ready to go, but that they aren't committing to moving forward until they can get a better weather forecast for Tuesday. They'll make a decision on the launch attempt no later than tomorrow, Saturday afternoon. But now that we have eased into hurricane season in Florida, it's going to continue to be tricky to find the right weather conditions for launch. In addition to that, Elon Musk recently said that SpaceX's own super heavy lift launch vehicle, Starship, will undergo its first orbital test flight in late October or November. Quoting Gizmodo, the SpaceX system, consisting of the Starship spacecraft and the Super Heavy booster, is a fully reusable Super Heavy lift launch vehicle designed to go to Earth orbit, the Moon, and possibly even further destinations like Mars. As per a contract with NASA, SpaceX needs to prove that Starship can land humans on the Moon by late 2025 as part of the space agency's Artemis III mission. The orbital test flight involves the launch of a fully stacked Starship rocket to space, where it will enter Earth's orbit, perform less than a full orbit around Earth, and re-enter Earth's atmosphere. The upper stage will splash down some 62 miles off the northwest coast of Kauai, Hawaii, while the super-heavy booster will splash down in the Gulf of Mexico. It's entirely possible that the booster may attempt an assisted vertical landing at the launch site, but that's not yet confirmed. End quote. And Gizmodo points out that Musk tends to be overly optimistic about Starship timelines. Between continuing upgrades, tests, and checking off regulatory requirements, the Starship teams have had a lot on their plates this year, and it's unconfirmed how much of all of that is done. Plus, as we are seeing in real time with the SLS, brand new rockets can take many, many attempts before they ever get off the ground. But one launch that will be a bit more reliable is the launch of the SpaceX Crew-5 to the International Space Station on October 3rd. While weather could still postpone that launch attempt or, you know, anything else could go wrong, this will be the fifth crewed flight for a Crew Dragon spacecraft and one of many on a Falcon 9 rocket. So while things can always go wrong, it is a much more routine launch than the test flights for the SLS and Starship. Links with information on watching the DART impact and all the rest mentioned is in the show notes. A new COVID antibody test has been developed that could help us personalize COVID-19 prevention and better prioritize resources moving forward. This antibody test, like existing ones, uses a blood sample to measure a person's neutralizing antibodies against SARS-CoV-2, indicating whether that person has some level of immunity to the virus. Antibody tests were more popular when they were first introduced for COVID earlier on in the pandemic, especially as some people who were able to access them wondered if they had caught COVID before lockdowns began or before testing was widely available, but have waned particularly as the vaccines have rolled out. It's a test that requires a lab setting, you don't get your results for a day or two, and especially if you're vaccinated or know you recently had COVID, there's not really a reason you need to test for your immunity level, you know, right? 
And while there are some reasons people would need to know for larger studies being conducted or for particular medical conditions or procedures, the majority of folks out there just haven't seen a pressing enough reason to get the test done. You know, better to get a quick nose swab from a walk-in site or at-home test and find out your current status than go into your doctor's office or a special lab to get blood drawn to find out if you had it in the past or what your risk might be going forward. But a team of scientists from the Singapore-MIT Alliance for Research and Technology, or SMART, have developed a low-cost, accurate antibody test that can be easily adapted for new variants of concern as they emerge and does not require specialized lab equipment. Requiring just a drop of blood, like you might use to check insulin, the test kit has up to 93% accuracy, and the team says it might pave the way for more personalized vaccination strategies. Basically, since it's cheaper and easier to roll out, the thinking is that it could become common to check someone's antibody levels before prescribing them a booster shot. And saving booster shots only for people who really need them could help communities prioritize resources. Quoting Science Daily, A clinical study by the joint research team has shown that the protection offered by currently available vaccines steadily declines over three months, with varying degrees of decline across individuals. The emergence of novel variants with much higher transmissibility than the wild-type virus, such as Delta and Omicron, has exacerbated the issue of using mRNA vaccines developed based on the wild-type virus to boost immunity, especially when some current vaccines are showing reduced protection against these novel variants of concern. End quote. That is, by the way, why getting the new bivalent boosters is a good idea if you're able to. While variants and subvariants of concern will continue to emerge, especially with winter on its way in the Northern Hemisphere, the new bivalent boosters from Pfizer and Moderna are specifically designed to protect against the BA4 and BA5 subvariants of Omicron. And given that most variants are coming from the Omicron lineage these days, having protection designed for Omicron will be a lot more helpful than the older vaccines that are designed around the alpha and beta strains. But going back to this new antibody test, every person's immunity wanes at slightly different speeds, even if the average is about three months post-vaccination. So being able to test each person for their antibodies would be a boon towards more effectively timed immunization. And while this is all technically possible right now, it's not feasible with the time, money, and inconvenience of existing antibody tests. Quoting again, For a personalized approach to be effective, healthcare workers need to be able to quickly evaluate the level of neutralizing antibody response against variants at the individual level, using an easy-to-use, point-of-care test kit in clinics, hospitals, or vaccination centers. In their research paper, the team describes a clinical study of their cellulose pulled-down virus neutralization test kit, or CPVNT. With a drop of finger prick blood, the test kit can evaluate an individual's neutralizing antibody level against a specific COVID-19 variant within 10 minutes, making this an efficient, low-cost, and easy-to-use tool that will enable large-scale testing and can be widely deployed anywhere as part of a personalized vaccination strategy. The test reveals the individual's level of neutralizing antibodies, which can then inform a person when a booster should be taken and how cautious they should be about potential transmission before it's taken. 
It can be administered by a layperson without medical training and does not require any specialized laboratory equipment, paving the way for large-scale testing of vulnerable subsets of the population, such as the elderly. End quote. Of course, as great as this sounds, the question remains around actual rollout. Further development is currently underway. The team has created a biotech startup called Thrixen, which is developing the kit into a commercially ready product, as they also work to meet the regulatory approvals and manufacturing standards for public use. So watch this space, but in the meantime, go get that bivalent booster anyways, and your flu shot while you're at it. It's expected to be a gnarly flu season this year. Rounding out the week with a bit of fun, there is a great new song and music video sweeping the globe. It's called Party Time by the Northern Boys. Who are the Northern Boys? A group of old white British men doing drill rap. Now, while drill rap, which originated in Chicago, has had its own subgenre and following in the UK for the past decade, older white dudes are not really the typical performers you'd associate with the genre. Although, apparently, the Northern Boys also aren't the first. Pete and Baz are a hip-hop duo who started their rap career in their 70s and have had a number of viral hits that they've dovetailed into a successful national tour and strong following online. Norman Payne and Patrick Carney Jr., the main men in The Northern Boys, have appeared on Pete and Baz tracks in the past, and Payne regularly posts his own solo tracks on his social media accounts. But Payne and Carney's recent collaboration, alongside their mate Kevin, who just dances and sings along to the chorus without a mic, is really taking off. Set to a karaoke track of American Boy by Estelle featuring Kanye West, Party Time is about Payne and Carnet's seemingly disappointing lives. Quoting Vulture, In the video, the Northern Boys are on a muddy dirt road delivering disarmingly frank, funny lyrics about sex, drugs, partying, and the crippling mental health issues stemming from repressed white English masculinity. This would all be standard issue rapping granny gimmickry if Norman and Patrick didn't have bars, but every line is more surprising than the last. Their flow is aggressively confident and utterly sad sack at the same time. End quote. Aggressively confident and utterly sad sack is fairly standard for drill rap, which leans towards darker, grittier, and more violent themes than other rap subgenres. It features a lot about drugs and murder. Some drill rap songs, at least in the States, are even diss tracks for people in the artist's communities, often in rival gangs, who had been murdered. Like, not memorializing those people, dissing them. And especially because some of those tracks, and because of its intense glorification of violence in general, drill rap catches a ton of criticism. But a lot of the artists point out that they're writing lyrics about their everyday realities. It's a form of expression, an outlet, and maybe literally a way out if their music takes off. As Trevor Noah pointed out in a segment about New York City Mayor Eric Adams wanting to ban drill rap earlier this year, people who are upset about the violent themes of drill rap and who think it's causing violence are focusing on a symptom of a problem and not the root cause. In the case of The Northern Boys' Party Time and some of Payne's grittier other works definitely lean into tough themes. You could put basically every content warning under the sun before this track— but in party time, it comes off almost lighthearted, 
The duo seems fully self-aware and keep things kind of light and confident despite discussing the disillusion of their marriages and depressive thoughts. One hypothetical sexual proposition in the lyrics is followed by the line, Feel free to say no. That one nice nod to consent notwithstanding, most of the song is so filled with explicit language that it was tough for me to find a selection I could play for you on the podcast. Now here is one that includes just one inappropriate British slang term. It's party time, get your drugs out. If you want to make love, get your muffs out. It's party time, get your drugs out. Do you want to make love to a sad old man? It's party time, get your drugs out. If you want to make love, get your muffs out. It's party time, get your drugs out. Do you want to make love to a sad old man? I am genuinely into this song, and I'm interested to see if the Northern Boys drop any more bangers soon. As Vulture put it, quote, It's time for Northern Boy Autumn. Well, that is going to be it for this week. This show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again on Monday.